0: Right. Well, good morning, church. Everybody, good. Fourth of July, man. We have freedom, right? We celebrate freedom. Y'all, can clap that up, man. We can clap it up, and we are excited that we get to celebrate in a nation where we have freedom to proclaim God's word, to gather and worship, to do a lot of things. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad you guys have uh, chose to be a part of the service. And uh, today, I really want to uh, share with you guys something that God has put on my heart, and I feel like it's uh, I, I feel like it's a, a great challenge to all of us. It, you know, in this whole series, Fishers of Men about reaching the lost, about going after those that are far from God, that is the heartbeat of Journey Church. If you ever want to know, hey, what is Journey Church about? We want to reach lost people, and we want to make disciples. That's what we exist to do. And we want to do everything we can to reach as many as possible with the good news, with the gospel, the power of the gospel. And so last weekend, we had Pastor Ken uh, Gallion here, if you were not here. uh, Incredible guy, man. I love Ken. He's just a great friend. Had a heart for reaching the lost. And uh, he challenged us with some uh, incredible... Uh, challenges last week. And, 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 and I would just say this, you know, it was cool that our church was willing to be a part of their ministry. So we, we took a, uh, you know, we just placed a basket here, man, almost $5,000 was given last week. We've had people give today. And I mean, that's awesome. So I wanted to say thank you to you guys for being generous and being a church that believes in the power of the gospel and you believe in mission. So thank you for being willing to give. Thank you for those who gave online as well. But, man, that money will invest in the gospel being presented all over Tanzania, even to, as we speak. And so Pastor Zachariah is, is out preaching and proclaiming the good news. And so I love that. So, so thank you all for being a church that is missions-minded. And I want to share this with you, too. I just got this this morning. And this is a thank you note from a, a friend of mine who serves on staff at a church in Louisville, Kentucky. And they came through here. And they have a, a, a really large church. And he had about 10 or 15 charter buses and they needed somewhere to be able to just kind of bullet bill to pull over and eat and uh, going to a restaurant was kind of out of the question with all the kids they had going Think about how many buses that is but they were going to youth camp and uh, as they were going to youth camp they stopped by here to eat and they so they were sitting in here where you guys were at and we prayed that god would bless them well, let me just tell you this he sent me a, a message there were 70 baptisms and this is this is even bigger to me in a lot of ways salvation is a big deal don't get me wrong there were 60 baptisms Kids who committed to full-time Christian vocation, full-time Christian ministry. That's mind-boggling. I mean, I'm telling you, when I heard that, I'm like, dude, you know, the ministry that I grew up in, which was incredible. There were 65 kids, I think, that surrendered to the ministry to be called to, to preach and to go be missionaries and worship leaders and all kinds of stuff. But, man, that's 60 in a week. I'm sitting there going like, man, God is doing some incredible things. Don't miss that. Don't think that God has checked out on America. Don't think that God has checked out on the mission. God is at work around us. And I really want us to jump on in. I've got a lot of text to cover today. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. And uh, so you've got to listen quick, right? That's what Pastor Ken said. You've got to listen quick. So check out this passage here. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. What he's saying, Listen, man, I made it as plain and as simple as I could the good news, the gospel. And and so he said, hey, listen, we didn't try to dress it up. We didn't use big words. He says, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. He said, listen, it wasn't anything I brought to the table. And I want every one of you to hear that. It's not what we bring to the table. It's what Jesus brings to the table. It is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. It is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the church. It It is what God is doing. And we've got to get our mind around. That's what Paul said. Hey, listen, man, it's not what I brought to the table. I didn't have big words. I didn't have a good speech. He said, man, I was literally trembling. And there's some of you that you say, man, I'd like to share the gospel, but I don't know if I know enough. And I think I would get nervous. Yeah, Paul was nervous. But, man, he went on to impact like nobody else, maybe except Jesus He was the the greatest missionary the world's ever seen, second only to Jesus, right? And so if we can get our mind around that, you know, here's Paul who struggled with fear and trembling, but God used him so mightily because he leaned into the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. I had had lunch this past week with a pastor, and we were talking about, you know, what we're praying for, and I'm just going to tell you, we've got people in our church, we're praying for an awakening. We're praying for a revival in our nation, in our churches, and somebody, you know, and somebody said, "Hey, you know, well, you know, one thing is an awakening, one thing is revival." I'll take either one. You know what I'm saying? I'm good with either one. Whatever God wants to do, but it's not going to be because of fancy preaching. It's not going to be because of politicians using fancy words. It's going to be because of the power of the Holy Spirit moving among God's people and literally waking up minds. That's what it's going to take. And every great awakening, every great revival begins with people praying. People interceding for their nation, for their family, for their church, for their pastors, for their leaders, for their nation. And so we've got to be able to say, God, we don't want, we don't want to have some kind of fancy words. God, we want to see the power of God at work. We want to see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, through us, and in our nation. We've got to be praying for those things. He said, that my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and per- persuasive uh, speeches, I relied on the power of what? The Holy Spirit, right? Paul said, man, it wasn't what I brought to the table. I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's some of you that you're writing yourself off as a witness of the gospel because you don't have what it takes. You don't think you know enough. You don't think you've got enough scripture. You don't. Th- We've got to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to let the Holy Spirit work in us and through us. We've, number one, we've got to put our faith in Christ to begin, and he seals us with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And therefore, if you have this power working in you called the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, Greater is he that is in you than anything that is in this world. And we have to walk in that authority and that power and believe, you know what? God can use me if I'll just make myself available to him. He will use me. And that's what Paul said, man, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Isn't that good? Man, Scripture preaches better than any preacher ever will. You know, and so here's the thing is what he's saying. Hey, listen, I want you guys to understand it's not human wisdom. It's not human ability. It's not human oration where we're we're these great orators or whatever. It is the power of God at work. The foolishness of the gospel is what he says. It's the foolishness of Preaching. Man, is what takes the message out to the people. And people hear that foolish preaching. Here I am telling you, there was a guy that died over 2,000 years ago for your sins. And man, he can save you. He can change your life. And there's some people who go, man, I can't believe that. That's crazy. But man, if you've ever experienced it, you know it's real. I tell people all the time, I said, I know what it's like to be lost. I know what it's like to be saved. And I'm telling you, man, you want to be saved. You want to know that Christ lives within you. And the one thing that nobody can ever explain away is my testimony. Cause I know He walks with me and He talks with me. And man, He brings peace into my life. And He does things that I can't even imagine. And so I'm just telling you, man, we need the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And that's, that's our first point today. Don't miss that. We must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not on any kind of trickery. It's not on any kind of fancy words. It's not on any kind of great communicator. It is the power of the gospel at work in us. It's not what you bring to the table. It's what God can do in you and through you. And you've got to quit. We as a church have got to quit limiting, hey, what God can do. God can do anything. And he'll use anybody. And we just got to trust him. We got to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that happened this past week was Pastor Ken you know, made some adjustments to his message because God was leading him by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to check this video out. Check this out.
1: Hey, I'm Buddy Pitts. I'm a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather, and also a 65-year-old race driver. And I got a story for you. I wasn't even thinking about racing until a few guys from church said, hey, let's get a race car. And let's use it as an outreach and my grandchildren and my children were there to watch me race saturday night i was fired up i was excited hadn't been in a car in 15 years i didn't know what i was going to do or how i was going to wind up i guess i got in bed probably around one o'clock sunday morning and uh, it would have been easy for my buddy to lay in bed and and not come but something led me said man you need to just get up and go i was expected pastor mike to continue his fisher series and lo and behold we have pastor ken a guest speaker uh to deliver that message pastor ken said something that like hit me with a brick and he said his grandson had a ruptured avm an avm is a arterial venous malformation uh, in his brain in the back of his brain
0: we see my grandson he was 12 years old in that picture he had what they call an AVM. Uh, it's, it's best to understand it's where uh, an artery in your brain reroutes the blood and forms a pocket in the back. And they, they went in to try to uh, do a preventive surgery to keep him from having a stroke.
1: And he had a stroke. And I knew then I had to go share with Pastor Ken after the service. My family has this genetic disorder and we're plagued with AVMs. Sunday afternoon, my grandson was taking a nap, and he woke up from that nap, and he woke up holding the back of his neck with Collier's AVM, so we knew where they were located. My daughter, Megan, saw that, his mother, and went over to him, uh, picked him up. She sensed something, something was going wrong. So her and her husband put him in the car right then and was rushing him to Baptist East Medical Center when on the way, there was a decline in Collier and they went straight to Prattville ER. They knew and was aware of his HHT disorder and was ready to start working on him. When Collier arrived at Children's Hospital, he was in such a critical situation that they had to intubate him immediately and start breathing for him. With him being on respirators uh, and all these lines hooked up to him, he was in a critical, life-threatening situation right then. It wasn't until after all this happened that I was able to look back and see what actually happened. How the Holy Spirit led Pastor Ken Sunday morning to alter his sermon and to add the photo of, of uh, Carter Jordan. And I called my daughters and I told them you wouldn't believe the sermon that I heard. I heard a sermon about an AVM rupture in a brain and I already have people praying for us before it ever happened. The Holy Spirit had people in place To prepare me a grandfather for what I was fixing to face of in a few hours well as you see the picture of Collier Saturday night up there a healthy vibrant boy our father knew it was going to happen but we didn't on Sunday night you see him right there in life support and now look at the picture of him now from Sunday till Thursday the miracle of prayer the power prayer warriors have been working all week 24 hours a day praying for Collier And the neurosurgeons expect 100% recovery, but it's going to be a road to travel. So we're we're so blessed. For those watching today online and those here, in your situations and your trials, just like mine, we have helpers. Just like Pastor Ken, the Holy Spirit led him to minister to me. And now we're here to walk with you in your walk. The Holy Spirit is working in this church. It always has been. My wife and I came to this church in 2013 after praying for six months to lead us somewhere to worship. Being new here, we walked in as strangers, but we left out as family when we left that Connect class. And it's always been family here at Journey Church. That was you.
0: Last, last week after the service, uh, Buddy and Ken were standing in the back talking. And they were having that conversation. Uh, and Ken said, hey, man, let me pray for you. And so we don't always know what God is doing, but the Holy Spirit is always at work. And so the Holy Spirit was li- literally leading Ken to change his message a little bit. Use that part for some reason. Didn't know why. And then gets an opportunity to pray over Buddy. And Buddy didn't know that in about five hours it was going to be critical with his own grandson. See, the Holy Spirit... Works in us. Holy Spirit works through us. The Holy Spirit prepares us. The Holy Spirit is what we've got to lean into, and, and that's what Paul was saying. Hey, listen, don't think it's what you bring to the table. You've got to lean into the Holy Spirit. You got to let God work in you and work through you. We've got to decide to forget things and focus on Jesus Christ. What Paul said is, "Man, I forget. I forgot everything." He said, "Man, nothing was more important than my relationship with God. Nothing was more important than Jesus." And, and, and the message of the gospel. And he said, man, I, I forgot everything else. And so I'm just telling you, there's some of us in this room, we need to forget what the world says. We need to forget some of the things that are going on around us. We need to forget some of the stuff of the world and say, God, help me to focus on Jesus, the kingdom of God, those that are perishing, those that are lost, those that don't know Jesus Christ. God, help me to focus on your kingdom. And, and, and Paul says, man, we got to decide. That's a decision we make. We have a choice. We can decide to say, you know what, God, I'm going to focus on you and your kingdom. I want to focus on you and glorifying you. Not on me, not on what I bring to the table, but what you bring to the table. God, I just want to be used by you. And and that's the good news. God can use anybody. He can use anyone. He'll even use you. He'll use me. I remember telling God, God, I don't know how you're going to use me, but here I am. And I'm just telling you, God wants to use you. You're a, you're a light in someone's life. You have the opportunity to be that. You're the one that will speak life over them. You're the one that will speak truth into their life. You're the one that will love them enough to share God's Word. But you have to decide that. You have to take ownership of that. And, and say, God, I'm, I'm leaning into you. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to bring what is needed. Because I don't feel like I have enough. And most of us probably don't. But the Holy Spirit is enough. Look, look at what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. Church, we can never give up. We can't give up on the message of the gospel. I know it's easy to watch the news and say, man, it's hopeless. It is not hopeless. We have a message of hope. I know it's easy to watch what's going on around us and say, you know what? Nobody cares anymore, but God cares and we cannot give up. We cannot give up. We cannot just say, you know, I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing. We cannot give up. And that's what Paul says. We never give up. We've got to be a light. We have got to stand on the truth of God's word. We have got to believe that he can do anything and all things. And we've got to lean into that. We've got to give up. We cannot give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. What Paul is saying, listen, we're not trying to trick you into putting your life and your faith in Christ. We're not offering you anything. This is not a bait and switch situation. We're telling you the truth of God's word that without Christ you will bust hell wide open. Without Christ, your life is not does not have purpose, and we need Christ. We need a relationship with with God through Jesus Christ, and it's only by faith and faith alone. It's not by works or deeds. We can't earn it. We can't give enough. It is by faith, faith in who Jesus is, what He did on the cross, and what He did through the power of the resurrection. And so, what Paul said, man, we're not trying to trick you. We're telling you, dude, this is good news. The bad news is, is you will bust hell wide open without Christ. We're not offering just another option. We're offering you the one way to to, to a right relationship with God. That's through Jesus. And so he goes, man, anybody that knows us knows this is true. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. It's hidden behind a veil from those who are perishing. And look who does the hiding. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. He said, listen, man, Jesus is fully God, fully man. And he left heaven to come here that we might be able to hear this message of hope. And he might be able to proclaim the good news. He is the good news. And, and so when we look back at this, it says that Satan has blinded the minds. See, I don't expect lost people to act like Christians, but God does expect Christians to act like Christians. God expects us to live out our faith. He expects us to walk in boldness and to stand on the word of God. But man, it's clear even in scripture that God has, I mean, God is, he he understands where lost people are at. He understands that Satan has blinded them. So when we look around, we can't expect them to know the truth. If we haven't shared the truth and if we're not living out the truth and if we're not living by faith, we are the light that God has put. Uh, He's put this light inside of us. We're the light that God has put in their lives. And again, church, we can't give up. We've got to understand that has got to be our mentality. We can't give up. Times are getting tough. You know what? They're going to get tougher. There's more and more people that are persecuting the church. You know what? It's going to get tougher. But the Bible says, hey, listen, this world will not overcome the church. The gates of hell will not hold back the church. And so we've got to kind of get our mind right and say, you know what? We're not going to give up. We're going to stand firm. We're going to stand on the word of God. We're going to stand boldly and proclaim God's love and God's truth. And we're going to live by it. We got. We got to know God's word. We got to know the truth. I, I was upstairs uh, before the first service. We kind of joking around about some of the movies that we watch, and it's amazing how many lines we know out of some of these stupid movies, like Dumb and Dumber. I mean, that's about as dumb as it gets. But it's a funny movie in a lot of ways. I get that. I watched it many times. I'm just going to be honest with you. And, and then there's other movies like Christmas Vacation. There's some junk in there. But here why do we know so much out of those movies, but yet we don't know God's word enough to share the gospel with somebody? I mean, and you guys are laughing because you probably know, know those movies well, right? But do you know God's Word? Do you know the truth of God's Word so that you can share with someone who is far from God? And we've got to be willing to share God's Word, God's truth. And if we can memorize songs that a lot of those songs that we sing, especially from the 80s that I grew up in that were, the, I thought was the greatest, some of those songs are trash, man. But we have not committed to memory, don't we? We have we haven't committed to memory. We have lines from movies committed to memory, but yet we can't memorize God's Word. We can't share it with someone. But we can share about dumb and dumber. I mean, we've got to be willing to say, you know, God, help me to focus on what matters most on you, Jesus, and forget some of this other garbage. Let me spend my energy, my time, and my brain cells on the word of God, not this garbage that this world offers. And so, church, we can't give up. We must proclaim God's truth to those that are perishing. We must. We must proclaim God's truth. We've got to proclaim God's truth. We've got to let people know, hey, this is sin. This is freedom. This is God's truth. And we've got to be willing to share that. We've got to be willing to speak that over people. We can't hope that somebody else will share with them. There's times and maybe you're in a situation, you feel like, you know what? God's putting it on my heart to share with this person. And you want to say something, but you think, well, maybe somebody else is going to come along. But the thing is, is some come by and they plant the seed. Some come by and they water it. But God is the Lord of the harvest. But we all have a part. And maybe you're the one sowing seed that day. But maybe someone has already come along and they've sown the seed and you're the one watering it. But we all have a part, right? And then God is the Lord of the harvest. But God uses us. He uses us. And so we must proclaim God's truth to those that are perishing. We can't just hope that they'll figure it out. Remember, they're blinded by the the God of this world. And so if we really care about them, we've got to speak the truth in love. And that's the next one here. We've got to speak the truth in love. And I think at times we misunderstand what that means you know God's word says to speak the truth in love but let me just say this that doesn't mean that we don't tell them the whole truth that doesn't mean that we we pretty it up or we we try to smooth it out or we try to hey, we don't want to make it offensive let me just say this the gospel is offensive the gospel is offensive to tell someone hey listen if you reject Christ you bust hell wide open that's offensive to people to say hey listen there's only one way and there's not all these different roads that lead to heaven there's one way and that's through the person of Jesus Christ and he said that that was the most exclusive statement that could be, could be made. But it's not intended that we just be nice about it. It's not in, that we're to be, I think sometimes we think we're supposed to be sweet and loving. But sometimes you've got to love people enough to say, hey, listen, man, you're ruining your marriage. And you might have to have enough relationship with that guy or that lady that you can say, hey, listen, what you're doing is sin." And if you've got enough clout in their life, and maybe because you've been building relationships and you've been trying to find ways to, to build bridges in their life, you've got enough clout. But I think at times we've got to speak the truth in love. And say, listen, I love you enough to tell you that what you're doing to your marriage is destroying it. I love you enough to tell you that what you're doing right now financially is killing your family. And we've got to love people enough. And so it's not, hey, i got to speak the truth in love. Like, ooh, I want to tell you that. And make it sweet. It's you've got to love them enough to speak the truth. And we need friends in our lives that love us enough to speak the truth. And we need people in our lives that love us enough to speak the truth. They're not trying to hurt us, they're trying to help us. And so we've got to get our mind around what Scripture says and not just what our perception of that might be. This is the, the, the next part right here. It says, You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Look at that. We're servants. But that video that, that starts the message there, the sermon bumper, it shows all these different ways that the church is, is trying to serve and be involved in the community. I was talking after the first service with some guys about ways for us to serve and bless our community. So we are to serve so that we get to share the good news. We serve people because we care about them. And for whose sake? For Jesus' sake. Look at the next part. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made the light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. What what he's saying, listen, man, we have encountered Christ. Paul, we know, man, had an encounter with Jesus Christ. It changed him forever. Amen. So he, he's like, man, God has, has literally put this light inside of us. It's the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit. We know, we now have this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure this makes it clear that our great power is from god not from ourselves it's one of my favorite verses my wife Lori, when we were dating she left that verse on on, on a note on my car and i've always I, I, it's one of my favorite verses because i think about you know what man we're just clay jars we don't bring a whole lot to the table clay jars break easy right We're made out of the dust. God forms us into man and he puts his spirit within us to go out and accomplish his task and his work and to expand the kingdom of God. God has literally put his light in these jars of clay. So it's not what we bring to the table. What is it again? It is the power of the Holy Spirit is the power of God at work in us. And the world is watching. I'm just telling you, the world is watching to see what these jars of clay fill with this light from heaven. What it really believes and what it really trusts in, the world is watching us. It wants to see what we believe. We got to believe, and we got we got to ask ourselves, man: Do I really believe the message of the gospel? Do I really believe the power of God to change a man's life? That someone can go from from death unto life. Yesterday, or I think it was last night or this morning, one of the ladies in our church shared her testimony because yesterday was her birthday. And she was talking about how God had set her free. She was talking about true freedom and how her life has been changed and transformed by the power of the gospel. She's been set free from drugs and alcohol. And she is so honest and transparent in that testimony that it is refreshing to hear one say, man, I'm still being changed and transformed by the power of God and the word of God. And I'm like, man, that, that is awesome, but you can tell she believes. And so let me ask you, do the people in your life know that you believe? That can they see that you really believe the Word of God? That you really believe it to be true? Do you really believe that someone's going to spend an eternity in hell? And if so, then why are you not sharing your faith? Why are you not telling people how they can be saved? And we've got to ask ourselves, do we believe? We've got to. Because the world is watching this. Let me show you. I want to share this with you. This is where there's a lot of text. And let me just say, this is an old story that I grew up with as a kid. One of my favorite stories is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe you guys remember this. Maybe some of you guys are, are new believers and you haven't read that that story yet. But I want to tell you a little bit about it because it's awesome. I had a, a guy this past week. I was asking him, you know, I was sharing with him in, in pre-marriage counseling. He ended up praying to receive Christ Wednesday night. And I asked him at one point, I said, hey, listen, man, I said, I said, have you ever put your faith in Christ? And he goes, no, I haven't. I said, why not? He goes, I wasn't raised in the church. And so there's people out there that they don't know these stories. But, man, we got an opportunity to tell them. And and so I gave him a new believer's Bible. He prayed to receive Christ that night, put a new believer's Bible in his hand. I said, hey, listen, man, as you go through, you're going to go through and you're going to read God's Word. And God is going to lay this foundation in your life. And, man, you will be able to stand on that firm foundation of the Word of God. And I'm telling you, we as believers have got to do that. And so here we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have got a situation they're dealing with. Says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. That's 9 stories tall. That's, that's, ten, that's 9 basketball goals tall. 9 feet wide gold statue. And listen to what he says. He said, then he sent messages to the high officers, the officials, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the provincial uh, provincial. Uh, officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up that's all the what the politics right that's all the leaders that's all the judges it's all the it's all these leaders and political leaders and all these different offices and he's telling them what to do so all these officials came and stood before the statue uh king nebuchadnezzar had set up and then a herald shouted out people of all races and nations and languages listen to the king's command when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. He's saying, listen, this is what you're supposed to do. And So what he's saying is what King Nebuchadnezzar has told him to do. Listen, everybody is going to bow to this idol. Everybody is going to bow. And he threatens them. Anyone who refuses to obey will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Listen, if you don't bow down, if you don't follow what I say, you're going to be thrown into a blazing furnace. There are more idols today in our lives and around us than ever before. I believe that. It may be your phone. It may be your TV show. It may be your car, your house, your boat, your whatever. It could be your kids. And there are more idols today than ever before, it seems. And let me tell you, all around us there are Christians that are bowing down to these idols. We we give them more attention than we give God. We give them more affection than we give God, the God who created us and breathes his life into us, has literally sent his son Jesus to save us. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we going to bow to the idols of this world? And many of us, man, I'm telling you, I see Christians all the time bowing down to these idols. And and we have to ask ourselves, are we going to bow down to these idols? We're told to follow the crowds that bow down to this world. We're told that's what you're supposed to do. We're tell, hey, listen, you've got to believe what these people say, regardless of what God's word says. You've got to believe what anybody puts out there. And right now, man, it is crazy what our media is promoting and pushing and saying, hey, this is the way it should be. And it stands in opposition to what God's word says. And too often, like I said, Christians are going like, well, I'm just going to go with the flow. And that's exactly what King Nebuchadnezzar was wanting. Hey, everybody's going to follow what I have said, and everybody's going to go with the flow. Getting all the politics, I'm getting all the judges, I'm getting all, everybody to do what I say, and they did. But they also titled on a few guys who were not. It says, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your Majesty. They're, they're telling, they're titling the King Nebuchadnezzar. Hey, listen, just want you to know. There's a couple of guys, there's three guys that are not doing what you said. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? He said, Listen, I want to know where you stand. And he's calling them out. This is like being called in in front of the judge, the the king, the the whatever. This is like the highest one. And he said, "Hey, listen, I want to know where you stand. What are you going to do? And he gives them one last chance. I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made. When you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown in, thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? He thinks he's got them. He thinks he's got them. He says, hey, listen, you've got to make a decision. And they do. And I'll just tell you this. We have to make a decision. We as a church have to make a decision. We as a nation have to make a decision. We as individuals have to make a decision. Where will we stand? Because the persecution is coming. It is here. And there may be a day not too long from now where we won't be able to speak the freedoms that we have, speak the word of God the way that we do in the nation that we celebrate today. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we willing to do? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. I love that. They knew that they had a defender that was greater than they could even be. It wasn't what they brought to the table. It's what God brings to the table. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He is able, right? God is able. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. He said, They go, hey, listen, we believe he is able. And do you believe that God is able to heal cancer? Do you believe that God is able to heal Collier? Do you believe that God is able to do what he says he can do? Do you believe that God can heal our nation? Do you believe or are you one of those doubters? Do you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to use you? I love these guys. He says, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue You have set up. We have to make that decision before we ever get there. Will we stand or will we bow? And here I love this. What Shadrach, Meshach, and and, and Abednego are saying is, listen, if we believe that God is able, we know He is able. But even if God has a different plan than what we think, we will not bow down. We will put our trust in Him and we will follow Him regardless of what happens we must not and cannot compromise god's truth i'm just telling you church we cannot and we must not compromise god's truth it's so easy to just say "Hey, well i'm just, i i do not think that's exactly what scripture was saying god's word is pretty clear paul said it earlier hey we, we don't come with fancy words we come with the truth of god's word we lean into the power of the holy spirit and we want you to know it's not what man brings to the table it's what god brings to the table and so we must not and cannot compromise God's truth. We have to stand firm on that. And the world is watching to see if we really believe that. The world is watching. The world is watching. It's watching you. They're watching to see how you respond. I can remember growing up, I had a friend of mine. His, his dad worked at, uh, as a pipe fitter at IP there in, or Scott Paper there in uh, Mobile. And he was, a, he was a pastor. He was a believer. And he said, man, he would bust his knuckles or something. he said, it was like EFU, and everybody would stop to watch to see how he would respond. He said, God, thank you. It was only one. You know, he just he said, man, I've got to find something positive in it. God, thank you for not destroying my hand or something like that. And everybody would look to just see what he was going to do. How is he going to respond? And so I'm just telling you, there's people watching you. If you claim to be a believer to see how you live, do you really live by faith? Do you really walk in, a, in agreement with God's word? Do you line it with the scriptures instead of what social media says? Do you line it with his teaching? Do you believe it? I love this. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. You ever been around somebody that has gotten so angry that what you believe that they would get distorted? There's been times whenever I've been sharing with someone and, and man, they would want to debate Scripture. I don't debate Scripture. I just let it go. You know what I'm saying? I just set it free. It's a roaring lion, man. It can go accomplish this task. And so I just love to share Scripture, but they want to argue it and debate it. And I would see them just get so frustrated in their face, man, just distorted. And so here's King Nebuchadnezzar. He's angry, man. He's like, what is wrong with you guys? Do you not hear what I'm saying? You're going to be thrown into this furnace. So he was angry. He, he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. And he said, you know what? We'll make an example out of these guys. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. The guys who were sworn to, to serve this king, man, he was so angry, his anger began to affect and take the lives of the people around him. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. They're in there. Scripture's clear. They're in there. They were willing to... Stand firm on God's promises, God's word, and their faith in him. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped in amazement, jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a guide, little g. And so here's the thing, is, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, he's looking into this furnace and he's looking in there and he goes, Man, I, he goes, didn't we talk three guys? I see four in there and one of them looks like a God. In, in some translations it says, One has the countenance of a God. So it looks like the Son of God in there. And, and so to me it's such a powerful scene. But he gets up and he sees, number one, their fate. fake. He'd already watched that as they went, were thrown into the fire. And now they're walking around in this furnace that's heated up so hot. And God is with them. Look at this. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. The name has changed, hasn't it? It's a big G now. He he goes, man, there's something about your God. He says, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. They come walking out of the fire. And look at this. Those same politicians, those same leaders, those same people, says in the high office of the officials, governors, and advisors, crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell a smoke. I, mean, I almost kind of picture something like a couple of monkeys looking at like, man, look at his hair today, dude. I mean, he's not even singed. Like, look, Come look at this. But the leadership saw that these, these, these guys, their faith was real. And their God was even more real. And so we see that, and I don't know if you've ever been like on a camping trip or something like that. Man, you get smoke on. He's like, it's in everything and all over. And he says, "Man, I don't even smell a smoke." That's a miracle right there. Didn't even smell a smoke. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, "Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego." Big G, right? Nebuchadnezzar has seen that there is one God. He's seen that there is one God. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. See, people are watching to see if you really believe. They watch your actions to see if they line up with scripture. They watch to see if you really believe the prayers that you pray. When we pray, after the first service, I had a, a gentleman come up. His mom has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer this past week. She's 78 years old. We prayed prayed over her, praying believing. See, I believe that we are to pray believing. And we pray in alignment with God's Word. And we pray in alignment with God's will. See, it's not, we're not saying, hey, God, we're going to strong arm you and get you to do what we want to do. God, we're praying for your will to be done. And, God, we want to see you glorified. And God, whether you heal her through medicine or through your own touch, or either you take her home healed, God, we trust you. Our trust is in you. And so let me ask you, do you pray believing? Do you share your faith because you believe it is the gospel? Do you share your faith because you believe that people are going to spend an eternity separated from a holy God in a place called hell? Or do you just go through the motions of life? A couple of next steps. That we need to take. And I think this is the most important one for anybody. Is to surrender my life to Jesus Christ today. See it's not about religion. But it's about surrender. It said Jesus I want to be focused on you. And you alone. God help me to forget some of the stuff. That I am chasing after. That does not last. It is not eternal but you are. God help help me to be concerned about your mission. Your focus. Your message. Your word. Jesus help me to focus on you. And you alone. And there may be some of you in here today that you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you're watching online. You have never put your faith in Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Let today be the day of salvation. Let today be the day that you are changed, that you are transformed like Paul. Like Paul, you become, man, your eyes are open. You're you're able to see. Your ears are open. You're able to hear. And, man, you become that vessel that God will work in and work through. And he will speak through you. And God will take that light that He puts within, inside of you. The Bible says he, he seals us with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And wherever we go, we have the Spirit of the living God living in us, teaching us, comforting us, praying for us, using us, empowering us for God's glory. So maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you weren't raised in church like the young man Wednesday night. But you go, Mike, man, I want to put my faith in Christ. I want to be saved. I want to know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I want to be used for God's glory. And I know it's not what I bring to the table. It's what Jesus does in me. But let that be your prayer today. Let that be your decision today. Let today be that moment of salvation. Here's another one. To share Jesus with everyone I can. See, I think that's every, every believer's calling. I know some of you say, well, Mike, I don't have the gift of evangelism. You don't have to. You don't have to have the gift of evangelism. God can use you. It's what He brings to the table. Let me tell you, God is an evangelist. His Bible says it's the Holy Spirit that draws men unto Himself anyway. God, It's the Holy Spirit that God uses through us to draw men unto Him. And so the eyes of those that are perishing are blinded, but we become a light that literally we take this light into the darkness. So there's some of you that you work with, you've got coworkers that are lost. Some of you've got family that's lost. Some of you, some of you've got friends around you that you've known for years that you know they're lost, man, but you've never spoken God's truth. Maybe you've been quoting movies, but you haven't been quoting God's word. You say, God, I want to be, I want to be a vessel. I want to be a mouth that you would use. Maybe like these, these 60 kids here who says, God, I don't know what I bring to the table, but here I am. It's what you can do through me. God, I trust you to use me to reach the lost. Maybe it's a missionary. Maybe it's a worship leader. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's an evangelist. But say, God, I don't have much to bring to the table. I'm just a teenager. But God, here I am. I give you my life. I surrender. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And man, I just want to encourage you to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't wrestle with it. Let go and say, God, God, I'll give you my life. Don't try to justify your sin. Just realize, hey, you know what? That sin is what has separated you from a holy God. Say, God, I want to ask you to forgive me of the sin that is in my life. I want to ask you, Jesus, will will you come into my life and will you save me? His answer is yes. With everything that's in him, he says, yes. I will not only save you, I will redeem you, I will fill you, I will use you, I will do great things through you. So maybe for you today, it's just saying, Jesus... Here I am. I surrender. I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm living in sin. I want to quit living in sin. That is repentance. And God, I want to turn to you. And God, I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I'm asking you to use me for your purposes and for your kingdom. And God, here I am. I give you everything. Let me ask you. Is that you? If you want to pray to receive Christ, it's as simple as praying this prayer. You're saying, Jesus... It's a prayer of the heart. It's not a prayer of the mouth as much. We speak it and we have to speak it, but here's the thing it's, it's a surrender of the heart. So, Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Save me. Change me. Use me. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. So, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me. Guide me. Teach me. There's a lot of believers in this room. Do you believe? God's Word, do you believe the Gospel? Do you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? And maybe for you today, say, God, I want to believe. I want to believe. I need you to work in me. God, I want to be that light. I want to be that messenger. I want to be that vessel. I want to be that clay jar that you have filled with this incredible light called the Holy Spirit. And God, I want you to use me wherever I go. See, that's a decision we've got to make today. You can't wait till the moment. You've got to make the decision now. And so I just want to ask you, maybe you're here today and you put your faith in Christ today for salvation. If you prayed that prayer, you asked Christ to come into your life, would you just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed to receive Christ. I asked Jesus to come and live within me. Anybody in the room? Takes courage, man. I get it. Just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I just asked Christ to come in and save me. Maybe you're online. You're watching. Hey, I want you to text us. My decision to 94,000 to so Mike. That's me. I just prayed to receive Christ. I just put my faith in Christ. I surrendered. Maybe you're one of the believers is sitting in here that, you know, man, I'm not, I'm not a light. I'm not sharing my faith. Mike, you, you slapped me in the face a while ago. When you talked about all the movie lines I know, but I don't know God's word. I want to change that. Well, then let today be that decision. You know what? I'm going to start reading God's word. I'm going to memorize God's word and I'm going to share God's word. And God, I want you to be glorified. I want to focus on Jesus. Let that be your decision today. And let's go after those that are perishing. Not with fancy words, but with the gospel. With the truth. And with the power of the Holy Spirit leading us. Let's pray as a church right now. Let's pray, God, bring an awakening. God, bring an awakening. God, bring a revival. God, move... Let your spirit change the nation that we live in. God, let your spirit fill us and use us as your witnesses and your light. God, fill us with your power. Send us out with boldness and courage so that we might speak the truth in love. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I know this message has been heavy on my heart all week. But God, it's not my message. It's your message. God, I thank you that you trust us. You send us out right now, Lord Father, wherever we are, wherever we are watching online or whether we're here, God, you're sending us out to be on mission. God, let us be a church that is evangelistic, that is missions-minded. But God, that we don't just want somebody else to go do it. We surrender our lives. Use us for your purposes and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.